Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. We have a a working group going through 63 possibilities and you can imagine yeah. the detail they're going on to me this is a this is a virtually done deal we've got a great sport here it, it's a billion dollar juggernaut machine let's take care of it holistically for the rest and my other prediction is that's never gonna happen and si's pat forty one thing, you know, eventually, whether it was being beaten over the head by fans or people who wrote bellicose books or whatever, they listened. <laughs> they knew when they were fighting a losing PR war, and I think they're, they're in the same position now. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Hi, right, welcome to the pod. Friday afternoon, gentlemen. Friday afternoon, last Friday afternoon. It's just a uh, convenient time for people to news dump bad news it's usually a time to like you know no one's paying attention and you, you dump out that your you know your company is just uh admitted uh you know dumping nuclear waste in a, <laughs> at a in a nursing home uh water supply or something like that that's generally what the friday afternoon news dump is that's when tennessee puts its buyout numbers out we've spent <laughs> yeah, 72 right. million to pay coaches you haven't coached Friday at four thirty. You hope the guy from the Knoxville News Sentinels at happy hour at Calhoun's and isn't pretty much. Yeah, that's how it works in the media. So you know the kind of these oddball things come in, and you're tempted not to look. And and normally, I I I think I actually had already played golf that Friday, or else I wouldn't have looked. Uh, But this one came in from the college football playoff with the riveting uh, tagline: "College football playoff management committee concludes annual spring meeting." (laughs) Really, not something I want to read. Oh, there's a <laughs> and we Man go long. Needless to say, first quote, it was quite a year, said Bill Hancock. Executive, <laughs> of course it was. You had no fans, you had, you know, yeah. what, okay. lost tens of millions. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, it goes through. Reading long, reading long. Uh, they get through everything, how their charity is. Boy, there was great cooperation between the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl staffs. I mean, literally, right? Rose Bowl went off flawlessly as a semifinal. Yeah, okay, great, considering it was in Texas. <laughs> this, the 17th paragraph of this news dump. This is a news dump of news dumps. It should go into the, if this was bad news, which it isn't, it would go in the PR Hall of Fame. <laughs> in addition, 17 paragraphs, in addition, the committee received a briefing from a working group of four of its members charged with considering options for future formats of the playoff for the management committee's review. Well, wait, what? There's a committee. Hancock said, this is written by Hancock, but this is great. Hancock said, first and foremost, the working group conveyed to the management committee that it continues to support and believe in the 14 playoff as it currently is constituted. All right, now it doth protest too much. Wait. We're already backing up from the 17th graph and the 18th graph. <laughs> here's the number. In its is the winner. In its analysis, the working group has reviewed some 63 possible changes. <laughs> These include 6, 8, 10, 12, and 16 team options, each with a variety of different scenarios. Stop the presses. Yeah. 63 possible changes is not just a little informal working group. Hey, you think we should change the playoff? I don't know. I think, yeah. 
63? I don't even know what they... I, I spent an inordinate amount of time on playoffs. I don't know if they're 63. Yeah. Goes on to basically say, uh, don't, don't, don't go, get, go get too hyped. I, I don't know if Bill Hancock's just upset that this has come, that, that anyone's even discussing it. I don't know if they basically just want to signal that tw- by 2024, this thing's done. But bowl directors, if you want to keep buying us golf, you should probably buy more of it. Because <laughs> in those 63 possibilities for change, you may not be on them, but there it is. 6, 8, 10, 12, and 16. I mean, that's a major jump. Pat, your thoughts on the, the Friday news dump, which is a massive deal. This is so classic. Not just college sports, but college football and the college football playoff in particular, which is always cling to the status quo with every fiber of your being until you cannot. You know, that's, I mean, the the grim forced march to get to any sort of playoff. We all remember that where it was like anytime <laughs> Bill Hancock opened his mouth was... We are fine with the BCS. We are fine with the BCS. We are fine with the BCS. Oh, wait, we're having a 14 playoff. No discussions. There are no no movement. No, no movement. No, (laughs) no interest. And then all of a sudden we got one. And then, wow, that's a good thing. Hey, look, we we have a playoff. And so this is, to me, the same same Bill Hancock playbook here. You know, there is no news here. Nothing is happening. Nothing is changing. And we kind of discussed this, you know, massive substantive change that we've all been hungering for. But there's nothing really saying that it's going to happen. Don't get too excited. Don't get your horses up. And by all means, do not call me this weekend about this. (laughs) So college football, once again, you know, change. No, 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 no. Maybe. And then we'll see if maybe is followed by yes. Maybe is a yes. Pete Dam. When Bill Hancock says something isn't going to happen, history tells us it usually will. So <laughs> when he tells us not to overreact, we should definitely overreact. Now, this is what I think got missed in the uh, in the playoff analysis. We have four playoff years left. All right. So this thing goes to market in two years. The one thing he did tell the business partners at ESPN, uh, the, uh, the biggest actual news was we will not be expanding this year or next year. So 21 or 20 would not be expanding. So about when would you be negotiating that next deal? Well, you'd be negotiating it with about two years left. Yeah. So basically, if you look at past television deals, what's instructive is, and you can go all the way back to the Pac-12 deal uh, that Larry Scott did 15 years ago. If you really want to crush it, and the NHL deal just got completed, I'm sure Dan paid attention to that. It's both Turner and ESPN. If you really want to crush a television deal, what you need is multiple partners. You need multiple bidders. You need two people to come together and drive up the price, right? So expanded inventory, ESPN has this exclusive negotiating window. If you're going to do this within the context of ESPN, it is going to limit the amount of money you can get. So at the very least, you need to get to the table or darn close to the table and have the specter of Fox, of Turner, of all these different streaming services that are now becoming a, a reality. You need you need more players at the table to drive this thing up exponentially. Um, not going to the table was Mark Emmert's big failure with the NSA tournament and why that deal is going to be mocked for the next seven, eight years. So the CFP and the leaders do not want to make that same mistake. So you need to bring this to market to some sense or tease it to market to scare ESPN to go all in on all of it. So I really think this is the start of a very wise financial play to get the next TV deal. Now, if you do it with ESPN, can you take the last two years of the deal, rip them up, start the new one to expand the playoff? It's just under their auspices. Sure, if ESPN is involved, I can't imagine ESPN not being involved. So if ESPN is involved as a partner, could they rip it up and try to expand it? Like those options are all on the table. But if the CFP is going to be a modern cash cow, they cannot be a solo enterprise or they have to threaten the solo enterprise. There are five seasons left. Okay. So tw- through 25. So in two years, he's saying, which would mean there's still three years left. 
which I believe is where that rotation of bowl games resets. Is that right? Because right, there's right. a New Year's Day six. So yeah. when Bill Hancock says there's two more years, that means the th- la- final three, they probably have a better opportunity of breaking that because because they will have completed another all rotation. six yeah. all six of the new, of their bowl games will have hosted had a had three rotations but it had hosted three semifinals so still a possibility so th- that also is intriguing this thing could be done by the tw- 2023 season or right. it goes all all the way but uh, Pete's point is 100% right Lo- start start thinking lo- budgeting loading up your thing it's out there. Yep. No, that's that's the thing. They, you're priming the pump, so to speak, right now. The the negotiation pump. I do think, though, to your point, Pat, when they say no movement, no discussion, no interest, no, 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 and then all of a sudden they embraced it. When they say we have a a working group going through sixty three possibilities, and you can imagine yeah. the detail they're going on. To me, this is a this is a virtually done deal. I don't yeah. know whether it's in twenty three, I don't know whether it's in twenty six, but they don't admit anything. That's a huge statement by them, even if they're dragging their feet and trying to pretend. Uh, just oh, by the way, sure. No, that's you know that's a tell for sure that that uh, that there is such a working group and that they looked at that many permutations. Uh, one thing, you know, eventually, whether it was being beaten over the head by fans or people who wrote bellicose books or whatever, they listened. <laughs> they knew when they were fighting a losing PR war, and I think they're they're in the same position now. They're looking, saying, "Okay, four teams is good, but there's way too many people, way too much dissatisfaction out there. We are leaving money on the table. We are leaving conferences out that we like and that we want to be part of this. We're leaving regions of the country out." So I think, you know, this is this is an inevitable uh, expansion. Oh, a lot of the commissioners are gone, too, or about yeah, to right. go. Yes. Did you see the quotes in the ticker this morning, the, the, uh, the daily ticker from Bill Hancock on Feinbaum yesterday? Just to counter your point, Pat, nothing is imminent. Good grief. We don't know if change might happen, much less when it might take place. It's just smart to have all the options on the table. I don't begrudge speculation. But the fact is, we don't have a timeline yet. It hasn't been determined. I did tell a reporter the other day there won't be a format change this season or the next. It's too soon to predict what the timing will be. So, okay, that means not this season or the next. Get ready coming, Paul. Yeah. Good grief! <laughs> Good grief! Time Bill Hancock dominate. Bill Cock once used the word balderdash. In a, <laughs> guys, he's a great guy. Bill's the best. Balderdash. He's the best. Took He's taking more something. bullets for commissioners and leaders oh and gosh. NCAA officials. Been know? paid for it. Been paid for it. But yeah, yeah. yes, they're gonna. That's what was the great. That, was, that great was the job. great thing, you know, about when about when he all of a sudden came out smiling and saying that we're gonna have a playoff. And it's like, wait a minute, you were the guy that was taking <laughs> all the bullets up for not having a playoff for how long? And all of a sudden, now you're the guy. I mean, it was woo, an abrupt change. Guys like him usually are defending the. The nuclear waste dump at the senior citizen home. So you know, like, no innocent people did not die because we only had a fourteen five. All right, right. So what really interests me here, though, is the sixty three possibilities and the fact that there is that many that deep of a group. Because one of my main complaints with the playoff is it was designed by people who didn't want to create a playoff, and right. so the playoff has not been exciting. The playoff is too small. The it, it, it's it's caused as many problems as it's solved. It's still an improvement because as we went through last week, I mean, you don't have a Harris poll and you don't have like Ohio State would have been unbeaten and left out and things like that just are gone. But it's a poorly, poorly constructed playoff because the people didn't, I don't know that they spent 10 minutes on it. It's just, it just, you know, it's it's just, it's a crap playoff. So, with sixty, with this much detail, when you're spending time going up with a working group and sixty-three possibilities, and analyzing all of these, rather than just saying we can't go beyond four, we can't possibly not be involved with bowl games. We can't like that was the. It was all just so. It was just. It was just so obstructionist last time, and I mean you know, and I heard like I mean they had like uh, Ari Fleischer working on it and stuff. Oh like, yeah, you know like 
well, that's great. If I need a White House spokesman, I'll call <laughs> Ari Fleischer. But, what, you know, like <laughs> this is football, man, if I want to create a playoff, where is that? I, I don't know. Maybe he had all the good ideas if there were any in this thing. This clearly is a full on reboot. So what's your ideal playoff? I guess I would ask. And if not that, just what would you hope that this committee is at least considering and looking at in these 63 possibilities for change? I would like to see the entire sport represented, right? So the current playoff is basically like cut the legs off the West Coast. And we can argue Southern superiority and the Pac-12 doesn't care enough. We still need the whole country to, to make the sport good. I guess if I had to ask one thing, and one thing that has long been missing in college sports is no one is sitting back and saying, what's best for the sport? Not for the Rose Bowl, not for the SEC's coffers, not for the big, like what is best for the sport of college football? So every league getting an automatic bid, every power league getting an automatic bid is the best for college football. A bid going to one of the non-Power 5 leagues is very good for college football because it helps break up some of the Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State monotony that we're in right now for the sport. Access is an engine. And if you have great access and great availability, you have a down here on the West Coast, there's still juice. Recruits can't, you know, they can't tell recruits to leave the West Coast because they don't have access to the playoff. So I really think it's a lifeline to the lagging Pac-12, and we'll get into Pac-12 more later. It's doing plenty to uh, cut off its own legs. But I really feel like th those two tenants, so I would like an eight-team playoff, and I would like the five power leagues to get an automatic bid, and I would like some fair way to be delineated so a team from outside of those leagues can do that. And and then you know you can you can go to Dallas and eat queso and pick the other ones at large somehow or another but that that's my general thought to it i i haven't sat down and thought of 63 ways but i really think you need to like get rid of this new year's nonsense with these like i really think people need to sit down and say all right we've got a great sport here it it's a billion dollar juggernaut machine let's take care of it holistically for the rest and my other prediction is that's never going to happen because of the egos and the money involved, these guys are clinging to their slice of the cookie like they're hanging on a cliff and they're not going to let it go. But yeah, nobody cares about the whole. Yeah, no, I think that the, your, your point certainly is, is accurate and insightful that everybody's no matter what the playoff shape is, it's going to still be everybody trying to get theirs. So there's going to be there will be resistance to anything bigger than six. I think I would be fine. I, I'd be fine with eight. I think I, I like the idea kind of of six with one misgiving. Six is this, you know, it's an expansion that gets you all power five conference champions in. You take you, you, you get an automatic bid by winning your conference championship, which satisfies all the people out there. The regular season will be meaningless if you keep adding to the playoff. Okay, fine. You want to make it meaningful? That would do it. Sixth spot, you could say goes to the best group of five team. Then the question though, there's the misgiving. What do you do with Notre, Notre Dame? Dame? Yeah. Where does Notre Dame fit in? Does Notre Dame then become eligible for the only that at large spot uh, that goes to a G five team that if you really want to put the screws to Notre Dame and say, you should probably join the ACC Notre Dame. That would be a way to do it. I just, I don't think that the the sport has the, the hoots, but to, to pull that off, but I, you know what? Two teams get a buy. The other four play set play, their first playoff games on campus sites. Then you go and do your little Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, blah, blah, blah. And then you have your championship game. What that does is at least it, it keeps the number total number of games down, which I do think should be a concern for all people involved. Because even if these guys are getting name, image, and likeness money, they're still not being paid and, and unionized and all those sorts of things and protected the way true professionals would be. And so I think the more games you ask them to play, the more you are pointing out or underscoring the general inequity of the whole system. All right. So if I could wave a magic wand, and I know the first two will not work, but let's just say I could wave a magic wand. I would first eliminate divisions and conferences. Then I'd get rid of the conference championship game. They're money grabs. They're poorly nope. constructed. They rarely even impact the playoff. A lot of times you can lose and make it or win and not make it. 
So just having this like Clemson play a three loss Pittsburgh team or something or Northwestern play Ohio State, this is a total waste of time. Eliminate that and you'd actually will have less games played by the athletes and then go with the with the eight, five automatics. Now, I know those first two aren't going to happen because we're going to I'll never I will never none of these guys will ever give up a penny for the additional money or anything. And, right. and student athlete safety, whatever. Right. They can, that's, that's, they use that when they want to, yeah, when they want something to go their way to make more money. Right. It's like when you're a guy, you got little kids and you, 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 you stick to the, to the, uh, bedtime, unless you're all out partying or so you're at a neighbor's house or something, <laughs> then the bedtime, cause you're having a good time. The bedtime can be extended, right? <laughs> that's what that, the uh, got to stick to that bedtime. Oh, yeah. Like if you go for to someone's house for your own boring, good. We got to get home. Got to get home for bedtime. But if things are going good, ah, bedtime, whatever. That's what that's what player safety is. These guys. I don't say they they want them hurt, but you know what I mean. Eight teams, five automatics, have a spot for the for the power five unless everybody somehow doesn't meet some criteria. Two at large, two at large bids does not devalue the regular season. No, those two at larges is just going to be that second place SEC team in Notre Dame. Or another, I mean, it just it doesn't just turn this thing into a free for all. Every game now matters in all five conferences. You can win your championship. Boom, you got your national. And then I would, uh, I wouldn't, I would host. I would go on campus first two rounds and then just play the championship game, um, uh, as uh, at a neutral site, the NFL. If you want to go the other way, and this is a big one, I think would be very, very important. Is 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 tell the bowl games we're in charge now. Like you know that. What's that high, uh, boat hijacking movie where the guy goes, I'm the captain now to like Tom Hanks? <laughs> like, we're the captain now. <laughs> Rose Bowl, I, I would be fine if they hosted a semifinal at the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl every single year. They just made those their permanent semifinal sites. But you tell the damn Rose Bowl what's happening at four o'clock, not five. And we don't, your son can set in the second <laughs> quarter or the fourth quarter instead of the start of the third quarter. And then we could have an actual television product on New Year's Day when people want to watch college football. Because right now, we are not allowed to have that most years because of a timing of a sunset. <laughs> this is not a joke. Oh, I know. And a parade. Don't forget about the parade. And a the, parade. The parade yep. Have the parade. Have the parade. But we will start yeah. the game at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific time, and the sun will set in the fourth quarter instead of the start of the third quarter. That's what they want. They were the sun setting at a specific point of the game. Done. We're playing football on New Year's Day. That's our semifinal day. You can keep your two bowl games. The other bowls, see ya. Wouldn't want to be you. Gonna have to buy a lot more free golf. (laughs) I don't care. I wonder if I don't care about the the Chick-fil-A bowls. History. I mean, I don't care. I wonder if the Rose Bowl getting uh, the game pulled from them this year. And again, it was because of medical reasons in Southern California and families couldn't go. And it was all very predictable once everything was set in motion. Um, oh, wait, you're going to have us come out here and our fa- it's not safe for our families to come out here like it, it, it in the in the 80s and, and coaches wanted to happen. So it was going to happen. But I do wonder if that helps emasculate the Rose Bowl's power a little bit. And, and it 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 demystifies some of the aura of the Rose Bowl and just says, you know what? College football went just fine in a big old barn next to a Walmart in suburban Texas. All right. Like it just went fine. No one, no one regretted not having a sunset or a parade or any like nostalgia. Like, you know what? It just kind of rolled on and it happened. So the sunset over the Walmart set right over that set over the Walmart across the street. It was beautiful right there on John Stemmons freeway or whatever the heck it is. But uh, no, it it was a warning shot. I think at least to the Rose bowl, at least we can do this. We can take that game and put it where we want. And so, you know, we'll see what the follow-up is on that. But that, I think that was quite interesting that, that, that that started basically with the involved school saying, we don't want to go all the way out there and play. And it's probably, you're not letting in the families. Well, now we're just going to say that's the main reason we don't want to play because the kids, the families need to be able to see the kids play. But they most of them just didn't want to go all the way to California in the midst of a pandemic and deal with that. All right. So anyway, this will be something to monitor. Obviously, there's no bigger development probably that can come down the line in college football than the changing the postseason. No offense to the first 16 paragraphs. 
of the uh, Friday afternoon news news release. Um, as I mentioned earlier, one of the issues is uh, that's going on is we have new new commissioners are coming in, and there's less. Uh, it's a less of the old boy network. It's it's it, there's a great interest in different change and all of those things. John Wilner of San Jose Mercury News, a uh, little scoop on Tuesday that the Pac-12 could possibly hire two people to be the commissioner, Larry and Scott. This would be the ultimate Larry Scott thing. He comes back and gets both jobs somehow. <laughs> paid Makes twice. Million. Yeah, he gets paid twice. Doubles the salary again. Are you Larry I Scott? Another are, you, are you Larry Scott or Scott Larry? I don't know. I'm right? both. This is, it's like a bizarro world. They're looking at a someone with the more business experience. Uh, the met name mentioned is Amy Brooks, a former Stanford basketball player, works at the chief innovation officer of the NBA. Uh, and then maybe a more traditional AD kind of higher from the AD ranks or from the collegiate ranks uh, to be the, the co-commissioners or I don't know how this would all work. I really think that it's such a catastrophically bad idea that somebody leaked it so it would get mocked so universally that it wouldn't end up happening. Because, it, look, the, the Pac-12 presidents have shown no foresight They've shown no ambition and they've really shown nothing but ambivalence and ineptitude when managing their league. So now all of a sudden they're going to come out and be thought leaders. Oh, please just stop right now. You're going to figure this out better than smarter people. So I here's the thing. You hire a competent commissioner. They can hire a consulting firm like this has been tried and true. It's worked for every other league. And really, it worked for their league when they did the TV contract. They just massively messed up the network, massively messed it up. And the TV contract was so good, it, for the first few years, it obscured what a disaster the network was. And then the Pac-12 presidents, the same group trying to execute this, let Larry Scott appoint himself the head of the network, double his salary, and really they tripled down on a terrible idea. So the people who really need the consultants here are the Pac-12 presidents. They need people to knock their heads together on these Zoom calls and say, hey, let's not overcomplicate this because what you're going to do if you try to bring in two people is you're going to scare away a qualified person. You're going to get less qualified people because it's a unprecedented structure. And if you're going to go for one of these jobs, you actually want to be in charge. So you want to hire a liaison to go to campus. Now, part of this is Larry Scott's fault. His first handful of years he was too arrogant to build individual relationships with athletic directors. They complained about it constantly. So this necessity is a byproduct of Larry Scott's foibles. He got better about it as the years went on. But for the most part, Larry knew he had to report to the presidents. And so Larry spent his time and engaged with the presidents, and he treated the ADs like second-class citizens. So that led to a lot of the internal tumult and why Larry Scott probably should have been run out of there five years ago, why he certainly should not have snake charmed those presidents into doubling his salary and putting him in charge of the failing network. So it's a it's a long way to say, bring in one person. It should be Oliver Luck. It's very obvious that it's Oliver Luck, but don't count out the Pac-12 presidents to screw it up. They've been screwing it up for decades. Yeah, I think that, the, that this job is the kind of job that should be a one-person position because because it, what do we say about quarterback positions if you say you have two quarterbacks you actually have none if you say you have two commissioners you have none uh and as much as i kind of like the theory or the idea of larry scott occupying both both of these offices <laughs> and like jumping out the window of one and coming in the office of the other one saying now i'm i'm the tv guy and over here i'm the administrative guy uh a la catch 22 but no they, he, here's the thing as you mentioned pete hire a consultant uh, Mike Slive at the SEC had Chuck Gerber, the former ESPN network programming guru, who he hired him, and he was the consultant. Like, hey, help help me do all these TV contracts. Help me work, make, navigate my way through that side of the business while I'm going to run the presidents over here. And, yes, to your point, the presidents in the Pac-12 need running. They need a boss. They need someone in charge with leadership, vision, force, who can say, this is how we need to do it. And no, Michael Crow, you may think we made to do it this way. And, you know, over here at Stanford, you think that. And at Washington State, you think that. No, this is what's best for the conference and this is what's going to happen. And while also having good enough relations with the people on conference to make that happen. 
So I, I don't think I look at this and say you need more people, although it is it is the classic college athletics move in the 21st century. Is what, well, how do we handle things? We just hire more people, just more people, just keep expanding departments forever. Uh, I think you can do this a right way with one person and hire a, a network consultant as needed. Uh, yeah, I guess it's all in job title and compensation and stuff. I mean, I think the issue is, uh, you know, Larry Scott was was not a good television executive, and that's was the the prime downfall. And and really, as these things have grown, it, it's impossible to do all of these. Uh, it, there's nobody with the skill set to do all of the things anymore. I mean, it's just it's too big of a job to do it all. The old idea of a commissioner is kind of sitting there on, you know, the, 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 the old school commissioner just can't exist. It's just, it's too big of a job, but more than one commissioner. Yeah. It doesn't, it, that, I don't know how that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, no one thinks Roger Goodell's doing all the work either or any of the work, who knows, but he's the commissioner, right? That's that. That's it. Nobody think that's, you have all these people. So I don't know who they should hire, uh, but, uh, they need to do something with their with their media organization uh, more than anything else. NFL Draft Week. I don't know if you guys heard. The uh, National Football League, uh, this little operation, is going to uh, select uh, some of our favorite college players and see it, offer them job opportunities in the, in their league. It would be good How if quaint. they could get some. They could get some attention on this so it doesn't just sneak <laughs> up on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm reading my 2024 mock draft. I wasn't paying attention. What did you say? <laughs> I am literally at this moment writing a prop bet draft. A bet MGM prop bets column. Oh. On, on what, what are some good take. props? We like props. We have degenerates who listen. Last year I went last year I went eight and two, and the Giants picked the wrong wow. guy. Or eight I, and I two. If they had picked <laughs> Tristan Wears, uh, I would have done better. Yeah, I made $964, but it was fake. Oh. Wow. So yeah. I didn't want it to be fake, but we there was some legal issues uh, at the company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now I can bet. So maybe it's fake. Maybe it isn't. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, it's 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 pretty funny. Like, you know, it, Trevor Lawrence going number one. Sure. Bet a hundred, you make a dollar. <laughs> and then they've got like the 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 crazy on the opposite side, like Caleb Farley going number one. Plus 100,000, you know, it's like, don't like there's a chance that Buster Douglas knocks out Mike Tyson. There's a chance. There's no chance. There's zero chance. If if Urban Meyer tries to select Caleb Farley, number one, he'll be fired before he even starts. Right. The franchise would fold immediately. Like just be actually be swallowed into the earth. Yeah. No offense to Caleb. But if you want to bet that, uh, go ahead. But. Good luck. Uh, anyway, uh, the big issue is quarterbacks. Uh, it is a really good draft. It has been a good build up to the draft because it's not like there was one year, three offensive linemen when one, two, three. Not exciting. But what are your thoughts? That, that, you know, look, Lawrence is going to go one. Zach Wilson is going to go number two. And then we have this big San Francisco trade. And I don't know if the league told them to like just say nothing. Like they, they pretty much can do, they could tell you. I mean, they're, they could pretty much say who they're taking, but they won't. There's all this drama. Is it going to be Mac Jones? Is it going to be Justin Fields? Could it be Trey Lance? What is going on? If you were Kyle Shanahan, if you were Kyle Shanahan, Pat, and you were running the San Francisco 49ers, you were Kyle Shanahan, you would have taken three knees when you're up uh, up in the lead there in Atlanta and won the freaking <laughs> yes, Super Bowl. I would. an offensive corner. But you did not. So you're so Kyle Shanahan has a way of blowing really easy situations, <laughs> but he is a smart guy. Would you take Max Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or or anybody else if you go get Kyle Pitts or something like that? I don't know who who would you take in this? Uh, having I guess watched at least two of these guys a lot, and I'm not going to pretend you watch tons of Trey Lance. No, so if I was Kyle Shanahan, I'd do two things. First of all, I would bend the bill of my cap because his flat-brimmed cap really annoys me. And so I would like to see him bend the bill of the cap. I guess maybe that's a nod to Is that to on your being, lawn? Do you want him to get off your yeah, lawn? Yeah, he, I am older them. than he is, and I, I don't like the flat-bill cap for an NFL coach. So take care of that first, Kyle. You know you're old when you're lecturing generations down on NFL coaches now. That's correct. 
Listen up, Sonny. <laughs> Bend the bill of the damn cap. What do you Back want to talk about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't wear the damn fedora. And they smoked on the sidelines. They did. Yeah. And Howard Schnellenberg with a pipe. Hell, they used to anyway. smoke in the locker room. Uh, sure. Halftime when you were a player. So, no, then with the pick, I would probably take Mac Jones if I'm taking a quarterback there. Uh, I, I have reservations about all three guys. Uh, they may all three be excellent. They may all three turn out to be great. But my reservation about Mac Jones is, is he just a product of the greatest wide receiver talent in the history of college football for, you know, the guys that they've had the last couple of years? I don't, my guess is no, because that guy throws a really good ball and he's a smart player and he puts the ball on the money. He can go deep with accuracy. Uh, he does not make mistakes. He's the kind of guy that's going to have a long NFL career. Is he going to be a superstar? We'll see. But I think he's going to have a long NFL career, and you want a guy that that at least projects that. Justin Fields could turn out to be great, but boy, I watched him hold that ball forever in college. You know, sit back there and just not make decisions, and it got to be kind of a Big Ben sort of thing. And maybe he has that Big Ben sort of ability in terms of size, strength, mobility to to do that and just let plays happen, but. I think that's also an extremely rare skill set to bet on. So I, I would like to see have seen a little bit more decisiveness from him, especially when you're holding the ball with superior superiority all around you. Your line is better than the defensive line of almost everybody you play. Your receivers are better than the cornerbacks and safeties of everybody you're playing, and you're still sitting there holding the ball. So those are my questions there. Trey Lance is just a complete unknown to me. May turn out to be great. I've seen a little bit of you know highlights of him. That's all I know. If you've studied him to death and are convinced he can make the jump up like others have, fine. But number three pick in the draft is pretty high for a one double A quarterback. Pat, you you have just failed a basic media one on one where you're supposed to pretend that you watched all the North Dakota splits, <laughs> North Dakota states. Yeah. Yeah. The number of Trey Lance experts out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for just. That's what I, I I go on the radio and they talk about stuff like that. And it's Especially like, I, when the dude played like two games this year. Yeah. You know? What do you want me to tell you? I don't know. They say I wrote good. a column about him like that I filed an hour ago. And uh, yeah, I watched like six plays of the Central Arkansas game. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I've talked to him a bunch and like talked to a lot of people about him. But yeah, I would take Justin Fields at three. Sorry. Like, I, I just really think. We saw idealized Mac Jones, and Justin Fields' ceiling is just so much higher. Uh, He's accurate. He obviously was dealing with superior talent, like Pat said, but I really feel like his trajectory and where he could go with his combination of athleticism and arm strength, and I thought he developed quite a bit in terms of how he processed. Um, He has quite a bit more to go. Uh, I'm certainly not going to be naive in, in, uh, in you know, and say that it, that there won't be an adjustment in terms of processing. I think back to the was the Northwestern game, he wasn't very good, and uh, the Indiana game, he obviously was. Uh, he 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 really struggled in some spots, but for the most part, like boy, there's a there's a really really good package there that I I think will allow you to run the offense that modern NFL teams are running now. I think you take Mac Jones there, you are limited. He is, you know, look, I'm sure somebody's going to call him sneaky athletic, right? But for the most part, that's like a step into a regression of where the NFL is going, as opposed to Justin Fields, who you can get out and do some zone read stuff with. There's a threat there that compromises defense that you don't have with Mac Jones. So I am am the anti-Orlovsky. I, you know, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I don't think there's even sneaky athleticism. Uh, no, is, there's no, <laughs> there's just no athleticism. <laughs> this is Tom Brady. Now, you know, Brady gets it done. He wins the Super Bowl. There's a lot of uh, pocket passers can still work. It's a guy. Uh, Trevor Lawrence rushed. I think he, he had about a thousand yards in three years. So we'll say, you know, 330 yards a year. Burrow in two years at LSU at uh, 770 or something, 767 maybe. Mac Jones had 42 yards last year and two scores. Eight of the games, he rushed three or less times. So he's not rushing at all. He That's, that's basically like scrambling for your life and getting a yard. Uh, so you're going straight up and saying this guy's 
accuracy and ability to eventually break down defenses is so superior, we're going to go that route. Because that's why Brady is Brady. It's because he's so competitive, he's so smart, and he's accurate when he needs to be and all of that. Uh, the stats to me in college are almost pointless. Like, I mean, it, yeah, the guys were wide open, you know, all that. I, I'd have to look at those next-gen stuff. Like, I, I'm just not going to put that kind of time in. So I don't know. I mean... But when you got Harris, you can hand it off to Harris. You can throw it to Smith. You can throw it to Waddle. I mean, it's just too many options. Uh, Don't need to run. <laughs> right? So it was the great, the great play call where Najee Harris got the ball in the flat and then hurdled the Notre Dame player and ran down the field. <laughs> like, you know, that's great execution. Yeah, by by Harris. So I don't know. I, I don't know about any of these three. It's always a crapshoot. Five of them, like two or three will, will not be any good. I mean, that's, this is just such a crazy 75% of NFL starting quarterbacks are drafted in the first round. So you have to keep drafting these QBs to try. And, and the other ones aren't any good, like Drew Locke or something like you basically have like, Tom did you Brady. have to bring him up? Did you have yeah, to? Sorry. Sorry. Okay. You basically got Brady and Prescott. Right. And it's like, you know, this is just not, so you have to keep trying, but I don't know, man, I wouldn't be surprised if all three of the guys, I, I like uh, Fields. There were moments where you're like, this guy's unbelievable. Then there's moments he's not, and that's that's dangerous in the NFL. And and I'm um the Trey Lance thing. I got no idea. Uh, again, so great analysis. Though. Who do you think is the best bust chance? Ah, uh, that that's that's to me that's hard to answer without having seen enough of Lance. You know, I've seen Fields have bad games. Yeah, I've seen Fields have extremely bad games. I mean, I I kind of feel like. Fields, like, to your point, Pete, has both the highest ceiling and probably the biggest bust potential. Uh, I'm not convinced he would because I think he really wants to be good and I think he's going to work at it and he's competitive and all those things. You know, playing through that rib injury was damned impressive uh, whenever the heck that was. That was national semifinals against Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, Um, basically Clemson game versus Northwestern game is what we're talking about. You know, like where he throws right. three it, picks. It really per- is. Those two games. Right. Yeah. So he yeah. could be unbelievable. He could outplay Trevor Lawrence, or he could be basically they win. They they survive Northwestern despite, despite him. him. Yeah. What about should should the 49ers take Jamar Chase? Or, you know, I mean, if, they, if you're looking for offensive production. They, well, Pitts and Chase to me are so obvious. But <laughs> Right. You got Kittle, so you don't, you but, know. But. They didn't, yeah. dra- they didn't move up to three, right? To, no, to you take, didn't move up take to three one of those guys because they yes. were going to get they would have gotten one where they were, you know. I mean, right. you just but yeah, like it's this is the problem with the draft is you have to reach and try for quarterbacks, and then somebody who's got one can just sit there nicely and go, Yeah, you know what? Maybe I get Pitts, maybe I get Chase, you know, maybe I get whatever. Somebody's just gonna fall in my lap who's a really, really good player, and I don't, not too worried about that. We haven't talked about Wilson. I think Wilson has the best chance to bust. First of all, he's going to the Jets. The Jets screw everything up. Like, you can't underestimate the the, the factor of the Jets in this. Second is, for as much as people made of, like, Lance's lack of competition, BYU basically played, like, a 1AA schedule last year. That was slightly better. They played Houston, and, uh, I mean, they, they lost to Coastal Carolina, who's a fine team, and that was probably the best team they played. But I really feel – and then they lit up Central Florida in the bowl game, which was sort of a carcass of a program at that point. So I really feel like Wilson is the most fun quarterback by far and away. He's the most exciting to watch. The arm angles, the impromptu stuff. Like he he was a blast to watch. He had five like 28-year-old offensive linemen um, in front of him. And they were going, and it was just a bunch of uh, you know, alphabet soup UTSA types trying to trying to chase him down. So I just think he had idyllic conditions and I think a lot of that has just gotten obscured and when looking at his stats and his highlights pop, but it's a huge culture adjustment moving to moving to North Jersey from from Utah and that New York market, man, we've seen him chew up and spit out quite quite a few of them. He's also slight. Like he's not a big human. Um, that right. was the when I, when I wrote about him in the fall, the scouts who went and saw him, that scared them. And again, height, weight, speed, all that stuff, you can weigh it, not weigh it, however you want. But I really think that, boy, like just he's not thick. And that's that's something that could lead to maybe being injury prone. So if I had to handicap it, I would uh, I would say it's uh, Mr. Wilson. 
Yeah, it's, I, I mean, you might be right. Um, I'm looking back over their like their season. You, they 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 did not play an SEC schedule. They didn't play a Big Ten schedule. But uh, let's look at like the programs that are pretty good, like Houston. 400 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, completed 71%. Boise, good program, completed 79%, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 360 yards. Coastal Carolina, he struggled a bit in that game, but ended up 240 and nearly threw an epic winning touchdown. San Diego State, 303, three touchdowns, no interceptions. UCF, 425, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So, I mean, I, I agree that there's still some proving to do, but – I sure liked what I saw out of him. Oh, he was a blast. Like, he was yeah. a total blast. I, I was, I, I mean, we talked about a bunch on the pod ledger. I'm a, I'm a big fan. When I just see, like, circumstance, like, whoever goes to Kyle Shanahan is going to have a really good chance, right? Kyle Shanahan's done great work with many different quarterbacks and has, like, a full-on, probably one of the five best guys, right? Like, in that, uh, in, in that space. I just... Uh, I don't have the same faith in the immortal Jets. Now, that said, I don't even tell you who the Jets' offensive coordinator is either. Well, they got a whole new uh, regime there. So, all right, what about this one? This was uh, one of my funnier, you know, at some point we get to this, the nitty-gritty. We talked the last year, well, a couple weeks ago, about how Joe Burrow's hand was once too small to throw a football, even though we had seen him throw footballs. Yes, yeah, yes. Devonta Smith, <laughs> too skinny. It's like Kate Moss of the NFL draft. <laughs> Is he too skinny, though, Pat? Can you I'm thinking at 166, the Slim Reaper, they're calling him, which I thought was Kevin Durant's name. That used to it be works Kevin. for him. Kevin? It's been, it's a good enough name to, to to move around. It's, you know, multiple people can have that. Okay. All right. So, uh, look, I, I mean, I think it's it's a concern. Uh, 166 is so small. You know, where is, where's the line between small and too small? I don't know for sure. But 166, you can just picture – being broken in half by 220-pound safeties uh, when they're, you know, hitting him over the middle, that sort of thing. I, 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 so I have some concern there. But, boy, I mean, the production is just awfully hard to ignore. I mean, he just has gotten it done. And they have big players and strong players, and they hit hard in the SEC. And they hit hard when, you know, when you're playing Ohio State in the playoff uh, and you're playing Notre Dame in the playoff. He was too fast to catch uh, and to hit hard. So – I would have some concern, but I would also think, okay, we can certainly get him to like 185, can't we? Can we get him to 185 and he can still run 4-4 or 4-3 and cut on a dime and catch everything and drop nothing? Uh, then I, I would feel okay going with him on that. Uh, but it, it's the kind of thing that injury concern can, you know, can derail major investments that's happened time and time again in the NFL. So I would, I would have that at least in the back of my mind. But again, where's the line too small? You know, Darren Sproles, everybody said he was too small. He ends up being a 15-year outstanding pro at 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, so you can always find those guys who are outliers. Um, I would probably be willing, if I'm, in, if I'm in the market for a receiver, he would probably be the second or third at worst guy that I would take behind Chase and maybe his teammate Jalen Waddle. Pat, would you be happy if the Broncos took him? No, because we got wide receivers. We got two. Yeah, that's true. We got, we got Jerry true. Judy dropping balls over the middle all over the place. We got <laughs> K.J. Hamler. K.J. Hamler, who was very small, but played really well. Uh, but if you need a receiver, yeah, I'd be fine with taking him. Gotta I think him. if like, he's sitting there at 15 for the Patriots, they just take him and laugh all the way to oh, the yeah. end zone. Slot receiver from hell for the Patriots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he'd make Wes Welker look like Dan Wetzel. It's <laughs> been a long time since the Patriots had a receiver who didn't just immediately drop the, after catching the ball. Like yards <laughs> after catch for the Patriots is like <laughs> negative one. True. Julian you're Edelman got, got down on the ground very quickly. You're allowed to run after catching the ball. <laughs> Patriots says, catch it, drop. Only Gronk. Gronk rumbles along, but then it's like everyone's terrified that he's going to, like, just his knee's going to fall off. Oh, that, yeah. that was about their best thing, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, the list well, of receivers they've drafted, like, the last eight, ten years, I mean, it's brutal. a horror show of busts. Nikhil Harry... Um, who's the guy from TCU? They, oh, it was just it's been the guy from Marshall. There's just like one after another after another. Yeah, not 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 good scouting there. Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna broadcast after the we're gonna tape after the draft Thursday. It may not be as entertaining of a draft as last year's draft when we got all sorts of hijinks because it was the virtual draft. Yeah, that was a good right one. right. Um, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury with the Cribs edition and yeah, Kingsbury Jerry Jones from the the quarter billion dollar yacht. Yeah, 
Bill Belichick's mm-hmm. dog. Is that one? <laughs> right. Mikey, the Giants yeah. exec was Mikey. in like the residence inn or something. Uh, yeah, there was. Uh, and then like C.D. Lamb's girlfriend tried to look at who was oh. texting him on the phone. He like ah. snatched it back. Sure. <laughs> Mike Vrabel's son appeared to be on a toilet, but apparently <laughs> it wasn't. It was a bar stool or something. I mean, I have bar stools in my bathroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a phenomenal draft. Uh, record ratings because, of course, no one had anything to do. You know, so we're not I don't think we're going to get that, but we are we are going to we are going to tape after. There should be some hijinks. Uh, I will be live from Cleveland. Nice. Yeah. Nice. When, when you head down? Probably Wednesday. Um, is there like a media area where the draft is? Not particularly sure what they got going. OK, know, right. no pressure. Um, just hang yeah. out with the people. Just there make you sure go. you uh, make sure you buy like two Bud Light Tall Boys for for our show when you're done your uh, exhaustive draft columns. I plan on drinking during the show too. Yeah, that's what I said. Bush Light or Bud Light? I hope I said well, Bush Light. I'm about more than two. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> two Tall Boys. Tall Boys at two Tall Boys at like midnight. Yeah, let's just go ahead and put the disclaimers out. You're going to be at the draft. I mean, it's Thursday of Derby Week. Don't expect me to be coming in completely uh, right. teetotaling. Drunk podcast and coming up Thursday night. Sully will uh, turn and burn this thing out, and we'll have all of the uh, our own unique analysis. So it will not be heavy on uh, quoting 40 times or hand size or vertical leap or anything like that. But hopefully, you know, maybe we'll get someone in a, a, a gas mask, a guy smoking marijuana <laughs> in a gas mask leaked. Those are the stories I really gravitate to. I know you're surprised. To- <laughs> the level of Dan Wetzel enthusiasm when the Laramie Tunsil gas mask came out just oh. shot like off th- through the stratosphere. It was in the Chicago draft. I was so excited. <laughs> I was not sold on Wentz or Goff. They went one, two. <laughs> right. I was like, really? <laughs> uh, I was not that excited. And then that Laramie Tunsil uh, blackmailed photo comes out to try to ruin his draft. And then, then text messages about getting rent paid by Ole Miss coaches. And, yeah. And the NFL trots them right into the press conference because they love it. <laughs> yeah, right. They don't this, isn't, this is the opposite of college sports. It's like, oh, no, bad publicity. The NFL's like, go talk to all of them. Get in there. We love it. This is a College scandal, Be- not our yeah, problem. Kept, Get in kept there. our second hour of ratings up as you dropped in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> NFL doesn't care. This ain't going to hurt us. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. See what happens. Should be good. Good to see a big crowd out in Cleveland having a good time with it. Uh, all right, that's our show. Uh, we will uh, be back, uh, well, I guess, get us Friday morning for your draft analysis. We will talk to you then. <laughs>